How much more money would Harrison Barnes have cost the Kings if he hit that game winner in game four in Golden State? Damian Barling and Kenny Carraway, D'Lo and Casey join me to discuss that, plus moments the Sacramento Kings would change from last season or would like to have back right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time, time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all off-season long. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NBA or enter promo code locked on NBA for a free white tech hat with any purchase. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you that. My name is Matt George. I have the pleasure of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and producer from ABC 10 News. And over the years, I've created a very strong friendship with my guests on today's show, Damian Barling and Kenny Carraway, uh, D'Lo and Casey, in my opinion, the above and beyond number one sports talk radio show uh, in Sacramento, maybe the number one sports talk radio show in, in California, the West Coast, the country, the world, whatever, uh, whatever area that you want to label it, they're certainly at the top. Uh, Two amazing guys who are incredibly gifted at what they do, but also just awesome personalities. Very high basketball IQ, so always good to talk Kings basketball with them. But of course, on D'Lo and KC, they don't just stop at Kings basketball. They talk uh, Niners and Raiders football, general NFL football. Uh, if you're looking for sports talk radio to get you through your afternoons, to get you through your days, then D'Lo and KC from noon to four, Monday through Friday on ESPN 1320 is the right call for you. And I appreciate them always willing to make time for the Locked on Kings podcast today, a couple hours before they go on the air, they joined me from the ESPN 1320 studios to discuss things that the Sacramento Kings would like to change from last season or, or, or moments that they would like to have back. And then at the end of the conversation, too, we also looked at moments from last season that the Kings would like kind of repeated this year, or maybe not necessarily the moment itself, but what happened in the moment or what happened for the player or, or, or the the concept or theme of the moment that they would like carried into uh, this season. So it's a really fun conversation with D'Lo and Casey. I think you'll enjoy it. And of course, we want to hear from you as well. Any moments that you would like to add to our conversation? We didn't touch on too many and there are a lot more out there. Maybe you'll be inspired by listening to this conversation uh, to chime into. Plus, at the very beginning, we have, um, I mean, kind of spoiler alert based off of the moment that I share, which is the obvious moment. Harrison Barnes missing that game-winning three in game four of the playoffs, we we have a broader discussion of what that shot would have meant for Harrison and what that shot would have meant for the Kings had he hit it. Um, so plenty to jump in and, and, and chime in on if you'd like to. So without any further ado, here is my conversation with D'Lo and Casey. Locked on Kings has infiltrated the ESPN 1320 studios. D'Lo and KC, Damian Barling and Kenny Carraway joining me here before going on the air. So I'm extending their airtime. I don't know how happy they are about it, but I'm happy to have them on. Guys, it's always a pleasure to have you. To have both of you on the show at the same time is an extra treat. I feel like I got to pay some royalties or something in order to make that happen. But <laughs> I appreciate y'all guys. Welcome on. Oh, it's all good, man. A pleasure. Always a pleasure, man. Appreciate you. So... 
kind of the idea in classic dead part of the off season, let's do our best to kill some time for him. We can either look ahead or look back. So I thought, why not do both in a really convoluted way? <laughs> so the, the idea behind this conversation is presenting each one of us presenting a moment from last season that we think the Sacramento Kings would like to have back or that they would change or we could change if we could and kind of have a discussion around that. And then after that, discuss like moments from last season that we'd love for the Kings to repeat or to see repeated uh, come next season. And I'll, I'll start with the most obvious one that probably comes to everybody's mind. And I teased this episode earlier and immediately got a bunch of emails and comments like it's the Harrison Barnes game four shot, the Harrison Barnes game four winner. And I want to discuss that not in the sense of, of, of course, the Kings would love that back and they'd probably win the playoff series and go home with a 3-1 lead in game five. But more from the standpoint of Harrison Barnes, like he was... It, it was poetic in a lot of ways, I guess, to Warrior fans that he got that shot and that he missed that shot. And it became a long conversation over the course of this offseason of is Harrison Barnes the right guy for the Kings to to continue with as their uh, as their starting three? If Harrison Barnes hits that shot, D'Lo, do you think that's still a conversation or do you think there's a lot more confidence amongst maybe everybody in the NBA that Harrison is the guy for the Kings going forward? I, well, the first thing that comes to my mind immediately is 3-1. I think we get a little too comfortable with the Kings. We're going to win the series simply because the Warriors did win three games in a row. Mm -hmm. Now, I get your 3-1. You're one win away from it all being over. But I always find that assumption to be a little, uh, a little much, though. I completely get it. Yeah, I think the conversation is different, though. I don't think it's drastically different because when free agency rolls around, you know, market wise, whether he actually was like Kyle Kuzma was still available. Uh, you know, Matt, you and I talked about the OG and Anobi rumor. Like there were there was all of the all of the 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 players, all of the guys, the PJ Washingtons, all of the different free agents or restricted free agents that Kings fans really uh took a liking to as potential fits for Sacramento, they were all still available. So while the conversation coming out of the playoffs regarding Harrison Barnes might have been a little bit different. I still think once things quieted down, the finals come to a conclusion, you get removed from what would have been that game-winning shot. I think the conversation probably still would have been, oh, I like Kyle Kuzma, or oh, I like P.J. Washington, or this particular player who may or may not have actually been available for Sacramento. I mean, for me, I definitely think, I definitely think it would have gone maybe a little quicker. Um, and that's also assuming that maybe it's unfair to the conversation, but I'm also assuming they win the series, right? So if they if he hits the shot and they lose the series, I think it goes the same way it did, right? I think it all predicated on them winning the series. If they win the series, I think it gets done a little quicker. I think everybody's a little more comfortable with saying, hey, we're going to go the next three years with Harrison Barnes and, and we're going to try and build off this whole thing. That's a good um, point I didn't think about. It did take a – like the contract wasn't – done right away it wasn't done the first day of free agency right. but it wasn't done you know when some of like when uh a, a, a couple of other extensions were done right and you know, a I, week or two before and i think we're maybe we're assuming maybe we have actual information i'm not sure they would have looked the way they did before i mean there's just sure reports out there that they were looking to upgrade that position and looked around and not i don't want to say they settled on harrison barnes but they looked around and said uh I don't think any of this is going to work the way we needed to 
better than Harrison Barnes. That Canadian exchange rate is brutal from what we hear. <laughs> like, that is just, that, that, that's it's just, that, 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 you're just never going to exchange just, anything. You just from can't, Canada. you just can't, like, not to an American team. That, that exchange rate <laughs> is just too, too, too much. Yeah. So, um, to answer the original question, I do think things are, are a little different. Um, people are a little more comfortable with the idea of, of Harrison Barnes uh, for multiple years moving forward. If he hits that shot, and um, I agree with you, it's no one assume that's just the end of the series, but mm. just for argument's sake, we will. Sure. It's the shot. They win the series. I think everything goes a little smoother. I also wonder if there'd be a uh, a couple million added to that contract if he hits that shot mm-hmm. too. The, he he might have a little more leverage in that sense too. Well, we got- another good hypothetical is what yeah. would that have done for Harrison? Yeah, like Harrison beats the. I mean, I mean, if 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 you know, there there's truly this venom with the Warriors and fans mm-hmm. and 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 Harrison Barnes and maybe Harrison holds you know a little bit of that. Harrison hits that shot. What's that do for him for the next two three games? What's that do for him in, in, in the series against the Lakers? Well, it could have changed a lot. Uh, first, to Matt's point. First of all, that was, I don't know, eight million dollar shot, <laughs> possibly Very well. yeah. eight to ten million dollar shot. And then to your point, because we're doing this exercise of going back and watching the top twenty five games of the King season, we're now into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And games one and two, Harrison was on a mission. Mm-hmm. He was on a mission. I even think he played decent in game three, even though but even though nobody really played really well. And then game four, I mean, it maybe it's too simplistic, but it seems like he fell off the cliff as soon as he missed that shot. That was his moment. That took everything out of his sails, and he was nowhere to be found for the rest of the series after he missed that shot. Maybe it's not that easy. I don't think it's that, that easy. Correlation. But, but, but I only say that because I watched games one and two last yeah. night, and he was yeah. – he was aggressive good. and he active. Was he was yeah. playing playing well. He was bothered. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I feel like athletes say that they're not. Like, he was bothered by the Warriors stuff. I think he mm-hmm. might be bothered by the Warriors in general. Now, that is not Harrison Barnes's thing. He's never going to say that. Right. But just your point, watching games one and two, spoiler alert for those listening today. <laughs> that, 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 yeah, that he, he, he was aggressive. Yeah. He was certainly aggressive. And to sneak one more thing in about Harrison too, kind of going further on that point is is reputation wise. Like I, I think the reputation that he's been labeled with by Warrior fandom and and from the Warrior perspective has been unfair. Yeah, you needed to upgrade Harrison Barnes to win more championships, but and you're upgrading anybody if you have the opportunity to replace them with Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. So I, I think he's been dealt an, an unfair hand there. But I wonder if he hits that shot, is that reputation or that that talk put to bed unfortunately it's only magnified because it was him missing that shot against that former team from that fan base it isn't put to bed they'll just they'll find something else all right do that in 2016 Mm -hmm. yeah you actually you you might honestly have made it worse now you're going to do it against us you didn't do it for us you're going to do it against us you're even more of a traitor than we thought Kenny, give me a moment from last season that you uh, that you think the Sacramento Kings would have would love to have back, or, um, or or you think should be uh, would be changed, and 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 why? My my first thought was the Harrison shot in Game Four. Um, game Four, just in general, I know we we lump it up as the the Harrison shot, but uh, that was a very winnable game. I'm not saying it like they had it or anything. It was it was a hell of a basketball game. Mm-hmm. I mean, both teams were, were were fighting for their lives, it felt like, in that game. And, you know, the Kings just came up one shot short. 
But that's my first thought. But thinking about it a little bit more, I think it's game seven. I mean, people forget they were up at the half in game mm-hmm. seven. I think they were up by five or six points. And I was watching it with, with Dame. And, uh, you know, while they were up by like five or six, we're like, man, they didn't feel right. It should be like a 12, 13 point game, you know, uh, in that second quarter. And every time the, the Kings. It's 58 it, to 56. Just for 58 to 56. Oh, it was yeah. a two point game. Uh, that's right. Steph hit a three, I think, yeah. right before the half. Yeah. Um, but, you know, every time the, the Kings maybe got up by six, got a stop that would have got it to, and then a score that would have got it to eight or nine, they would miss. And then the Warriors would come back and hit a three and make it a three point game again. Like they could never really separate the way. They needed to, and I don't. No disrespect to this Warriors team or anything. I don't think it would have took that much. I mean, this is a fragile group. You know, this Warriors group this past year. If they would have got to 12, 15 points, you know, I think they they would have been feeling good about themselves. The Kings, number one, and number two, you know, the Warriors team was ready to go. They were ready to go. We saw them in, in Game Six against the Lakers. You know, they were ready to go. They, they were sick of each other. They were ready to go. But they can never get to that double digit point. And um, that's the one I I would want back because game seven, I, I think it was there for the taking. Matt, those are probably the two the two easiest selections. So I'll go something a little more lighthearted, something we were talking about yesterday. I wish they had beaten Minnesota at home to clinch the playoff mm-hmm. spot. Uh, we debated how much that we had a lengthy debate about how truly memorable that Portland Trailblazers, and I think you even chimed in on that, how memorable that Portland Trailblazers game was. Once, you know, they had missed the opportunity at home. They had mm-hmm. gone on the road. It, the, the, the question wasn't whether they were going to clinch or not. Like Portland, we all knew what Portland was. If they had lost to Portland, there was a far bigger issue coming out of that game mm-hmm. than clinching a playoff spot. So it felt, and the term we all kind of settled on, was it felt a little anticlimactic. If we're getting a less ser- a little less serious, Harrison's three, uh, uh, and of course, game seven, the Terrence Davis foul at the end of the third quarter on Clay Thompson that took the lead from from six, that four point play put it back up to double digits. I'll, I'll say I wish they were able to clinch at home. Mm-hmm. You know that would have been the uh, that 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 would have been the cherry on top of a, a fantastic you know home stretch that you know watching game one back this morning, game ones and game two like the the electricity. Uh, in that arena from that crowd on those days is unmatched. The only thing that I think would have been comparable is if they have been able to beat Minnesota at home, even if it had been like they beat, they beat Portland by what was it? 40. If they beat Minnesota by 40, if that fourth quarter goes the same way it does at the golden quarter long party. Yeah. It's like the bean chance for 12 straight minutes. Like it, 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 like I I can only imagine. I, I remember the atmosphere that night. Um, I could only imagine what that would have been like. So from a lighthearted standpoint, I, I, I would have loved to have I, seen them clinch at home. I thought you were going to say uh, Washington. Yeah, well, that's that's a very <laughs> personal standpoint. I wish my family had gotten to see that, that purple beam shine in the sky. <laughs> it's just angry. The whole fa- just ruined Christmas for the whole family. <laughs> They're looking around like, gosh, I didn't know Washington was this good. And God bless my nephew. He's like, yeah, they're not. They're not. This is just I thought the Kings were different this year. My sister says, oh, they are like, it's just a it's just a bad day. And God bless DeMontis Sabonis. He was doing oh, everything man. he could. Domas, 
and the Golden One Center crowd mm. doing everything they can to breathe some life into that Sacramento Kings team, but it wasn't meant to be. Messed up his thumb trying to get it done. You know? I love both of those moments that you bring up because it, it speaks to me a, a, a broader issue that I really want the Kings to address this year, which is closing out games and taking care of your home floor. Like the fact that the Kings, they were above 500 on their home floor. You have to be to, to finish third in the West, but there were plenty of games, the Washington game, the Charlotte game. And, and there were many moments over the course of the season that even in wins, they made life more difficult for themselves because they couldn't quite put the game away until clutch fourth quarter Fox came in to, and, and it would almost close the coffin himself. Like mm -hmm. if the Kings can find a way consistently this season, regardless of the opponent to when they have the opportunity to really take the wind out of a team's sails or not let them back into a game, maybe they build a, they have an explosive first quarter, like we've seen in the past and they build a 15 point lead. And I always had the feeling like if the Kings were down 15 in the first quarter, they'd always work their way back. But if the Kings were up 15 in the first quarter, they'd probably always allow a team back in. Now, basketball is a game of runs. So, But if, if the Kings could have a consistent ability in their home floor to where when there's that moment, there's that turning point where they can really, for a brutal term, like step on an opponent's throat and, and, and put them away. If they can find a way to do that more consistently at home this season, I think that's a big next step to them opening that championship window that Monty McNair talks a lot about. Yeah, I hear you. You know, an honorable mention in all this is uh, opening night against Portland. Yeah, yeah, the Trailblazers. Yeah, that was, that was, uh, that was like people were deflated walking out of there because <laughs> it's crazy. Game one, oh, we thought it was going to be different this year. <laughs> and they were upset. No, personally as well, De'Aaron Fox was killing in that fourth quarter, mm -hmm. but they didn't win. So all people remember is I think he had five turnovers in that fourth quarter. And I remember the next day he was just kind of getting lit up about, you know, he's not the guy. I mean, it was the emotions for that game. Very one were, yeah. were crazy uh, both ways. Well, yeah. Give me the, give me the, give me the Terrence Davis technical. Oh, Terrence Davis dunk the crowd erupts and he looks at Dame Lillard the wrong way gets called for a technical swings the whole mm. final handful of minutes of that game I don't know if we'll ever get over that well we would have seen the beam night one <laughs> not no people would have been like what the hell is that <laughs> okay whatever I think we're all guilty of when they first announced the beam too everybody made the joke of well it's gonna be fun to see that lit 25 times a year like everybody made that joke so uh, at least the beam uh, truly turned into something positive. Cause I remember even Mike Brown talking about it too. When he first heard the idea, he's like, this kind of corny. And then he saw it and he's like, okay, I kind of dig it. Real, real quick, Matt, do you remember when it was, I do not remember when it was, I know Damien had a conversation with somebody that works there who told him about it. It just appeared out of nowhere for me. I said, okay, I guess. I don't, I don't even know well, what, what's going on here. The, the funny thing was I was told about it before that game. It was like, oh, the, the Portland game. Yeah. Like, all right. The game goes the way that it goes. I never thought about it again. <laughs> I never – like, it's not like, oh, I really wanted to see that purple light in the sky tonight. Like, no. Like, once that game ended, that conversation about the beam when they win – well, what became the beam when they went – never crossed my mind again. Mm. Never once thought about it. I also don't. So I, I think we tracked Kevin Fippen had the first. Yeah. Has anyone seen this purple light in the sky? <laughs> and I believe it was Jason Wise of yeah. the, the digital team for Sacramento. It was like, yes, yeah, the victory beam. Yeah. Oh. oh, okay. Cool. 
I have no recollection either of when the light, the beam chant started. It just felt like suddenly it went from nobody did it to an entire arena of people did it. And then it just became, became a thing to where the Kings were upset that sometimes the fans would chant it a little bit too early. Um, I think but, that was only Harrison and Mike. I think those were <laughs> the two most buttoned up guys. I think they were the only ones who were like, like Terrence would have started it in the third quarter if he thought it would have worked. Like, I think that was just HB Terrence and Mike and that were like, started it early. They were like, hey, there's two and a half minutes left, guys. We're only up eight. Stop it. <laughs> like I mentioned at the top of the show, today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs make you look good. They have their stretch khaki shorts that are perfect for the spring summer fall time if you can get away with wearing shorts you're going to want to wear bird dog shorts they're designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg giving you a truly sculpted look bird dog shorts do exactly the same thing as brands like lululemon but they fit way better uh bird dogs has this cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches so you get away slimmer and more comfortable fits plus they use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long bird dog shorts and pants truthfully have become my go-to pants and shorts to wear uh when i'm going golfing and they're also nice enough to where you can wear them around like an office setting or out at a, a, a nice lunch or whatever uh, a a semi-formal casual kind of setting you can wear bird dogs without any kind of issue in fact you'll probably get comments and compliments on your bird dogs go to birddogs.com slash locked on nba or enter code locked on nba for a free white tech hat that's birddogs.com slash locked on nba or promo code locked on nba for a free white tech hat with any purchase you won't want to take your bird dogs off we promise you all right let's rapid fire uh these these moments that sack once repeated this year and this can be kind of a a, a compilation of anything I'll, like I'll, I'll start with one that it's less about the moment and more about the guy who who had the moment Davion Mitchell's big three that he had in game two to to really I mean he wide open corner three hits a big shot helps the Kings ultimately put that game away again it's less about that moment because I don't know how many times I necessarily want Davion to have that big open shot but it's more if Davion can add that part to his game because we know what he can add on the defensive end his defensive statistics James Ham was going through them on your guys' show uh maybe a week ago like his defensive statistics in the playoffs were unbelievable but because of the questions on offense at times th that's what's keeping him from being a 25 30 minute a game player is is what happens on the offensive event if davion could be a consistent offensive threat not just from the perimeter but period and really open up that offensive side of his game mike brown's going to have a really hard time finding a way to keep him off the floor and then he starts to ask questions about how he fits Kevin Herter, Davion Mitchell, Malik Monk, and De'Aaron Fox all together at, at one point in time. So I think getting that side of Davion Mitchell repeatedly this season could be a big unlocking point for Sacramento. I look at Trey Lyles in game one for sticking kind of with the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Like how many big shots did Trey Lyles hit in game one? I think we saw that pretty regularly throughout the regular season. Mm -hmm. But if Trey Lyles is just a like a scary threat from three, mm -hmm. given the fact that we think with the addition of of Sasha, he's playing prominently the backup five position in a small ball uh, scheme for Mike Brown in Sacramento. Mm -hmm. Man, that feels that feels like a really, really dangerous res recipe for 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 defenses. Yeah, no, I, I'm with 
both of you guys on that one. And completely different than what Domas offers. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a, like you have the ability now, sorry to interrupt you, to run okay. two very different types of offenses. Mm-hmm. Everything can run through Domas with the first group. And then you have a scary three point threat in, in, in the second group if Trey Lyles can shoot like that. No, uh, I, I understand that completely. I'm with that. Um, and I understand what you're saying as well, Matt. I wanted to go with game six. Um, in in that moment, and in, in the mental toughness and the, mm-hmm. the, the confidence that they had in that one, I mean, it is a spoiler, but it's not a spoiler because I've said it a number of different times, Matt. I thought that was the greatest win in the franchise's history. Game six in in Golden State, everything, all things considered, everything that was going on, I thought that that's the best win this franchise has ever seen. Um, but the reason why I'm not going to go with that is because Demontis Sabonis wasn't super involved and I don't like I think for them to to really do what they want to do obviously he needs to be you know one of the the main cogs in, in what they're doing on both sides of the floor so I'm gonna go with just game two in general mm-hmm. we're going but we we're going back and watching um game one and game two I watched game two last night and I I said this team like looking at that game like this team could win the championship mm-hmm. they were tough on both sides of the ball, super physical. They didn't back down. They hit big shots. They were versatile with what they were doing. You mentioned Davion, what he was doing on both sides of the ball. Malik Monk, De'Aaron Fox getting to the bucket. DeMontis Sabonis, who had a tough playoff series, he was starting to get active in that game. He played really well in that game too. And I I was so impressed going back and watching that game with who they were. Kevin Herter had a good game that game as well. And if they bring that level of toughness to both sides of the ball, I mean, and they bring that this year. I mean, we're talking about a a championship contender. I'm not, I'm not going to hesitate. I ain't afraid of y'all. Yeah, we're I, talking I about a championship yeah. contender yeah. if they can they can get that going on a consistent basis all year long. Yeah, and building off that, Kenny, it's almost like if you can cut uh, copy and paste the defensive intensity for the Kings throughout that entire playoff series, put it throughout the regular season and also add on top of that, the officials staying the hell out of the way and allowing both teams to play that brand of basketball instead of whistling the Kings for every ticky tack thing they could to start mm-hmm. last season. I think people forget, it seems like years ago, but the amount of issues that the Kings and the battles the Kings had with the officials at the start of the year, not just with themselves and their own development. Like you, you take that out and let the Kings play the physical brand of basketball that worked for them and for their opponents during the, during the playoffs. I don't think we're talking about a, one of the worst teams in the NBA defensively anymore. I'm with you. Yeah, it's a good point. All right, guys. Well, I, uh, it's one of those things where, there's so much from last season to really enjoy because it was such an incredible ride, right? But now there's the weight of expectations for next season. So I'm sure the Kings have found a million more things to pick apart. I'm sure Mike Brown and his staff have done that all this offseason. And I wish I could be a fly on the wall, not just in training camp practices, but in film sessions and training camp and things like that to see what what layers that Mike tries to put on top of the foundation that he built for this team next season. But I'm sure we'll see it soon enough, and we'll discuss it here on Locked on Kings. You guys will discuss it, of course, over on D-Lo and KC, which you've got a radio show in less uh, just over an hour to do. So I appreciate you guys coming here on Locked on Kings. It's always a pleasure to have you guys on. We'll do it again very soon. Anytime, man. Anytime. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll see you Thursday. Yeah, Maddie McQueen. Batty, Maddie. <laughs> 
Shout out D'Lo and KC again for joining me here on the Locked On Kings podcast right before going on the air. They're really, really good friends of the show, really good friends of mine. And uh, it's typically it requires friendships like we have for them to be willing to do that amongst their incredibly busy schedule. Um, most of you already know of them. Most of you also already listen. One of the best parts about being a part of their radio show every Thursday is so much of the Locked On Kings audience uh, watches and listens to D'Lo and KC. Many of the Locked On Kings audience members, consistent Locked On Kings audience members I know, came from D'Lo and KC's audience. What they've done for me and what they've done for their this show uh, is amazing, and I like to hope that I've helped contribute to their show and, and pour into them the same way that they poured into me. So it's always a pleasure to have them on. Uh, I was thinking about cramming at the end of the show here uh, thoughts about Scalabissier, who is back. Scalabissier returns to the Sacramento Kings, Shams. Uh, reported yesterday that he came uh, or he joined the Kings on a like partially guaranteed deal. Wasn't the former King necessarily that I was expecting the Kings to go out and get if any former King was available, but Scalabissier is back. And I don't know if it's, we'll kind of find out more information, have more conversations going forward on. I'm, I'm very skeptical on the belief that Scalabissier can actually make the Kings main roster, make the team. I don't think so. Um, maybe he's there for, Stockton Kings purposes and to have him back in their system. I don't know if he gets the final two way spot. I don't know what the plan is with Scalabissier going forward. Maybe he's just someone that they're going to invite to camp. And at the end, just say sayonara to, I don't know. I'll spend more time in a future episode of lockdown Kings talking about it. Cause I didn't just want to brush through it and, and, and not give it the time that it deserved to be discussed. So on a future episode of lockdown Kings, I'll, I'll spend more time discussing kind of Scalabissier and, and kind of trying to figure out why the Kings made this move and what Scal's Kings future potentially looks like, how he uh, can make an impact for this organization one way or the other. So that'll, that'll come in a later episode of lockdown Kings plus still coming this week. I'm going to be joined by Frankie Cardicelli uh, from Sacktown sports, 1140. One of my really, really good friends. And then uh, Brandon Nunez from the Kings pulse podcast, the Kings beat podcast from Kings Herald. Another one of my great friends, um, the two of them are going to join me. We're going to have a little fun with a exercise that I'm calling the uh, ultimate expansion draft. And the way it's going to work is the three of us are each going to have expansion teams. We're going to have our own rosters. We're going to draft our starting five, but the pool of players available are going to be all players that are not starters for the other 30 NBA teams. So if you're a bench player, sixth man on, you're available to be drafted. So that means like, for example, Trey Lyles and, Davion Mitchell and Malik Monk and Sasha Vizenkov are available in this ultimate mock draft, as are the bench players for every single team. So I'm going to have fun with that exercise. We'd love for you to be a part of that too. That's still to come later this week as well. Appreciate your support as always of the Locked on Kings podcast. If you could help me out uh, by whether you're a video watcher or audio listener, if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review of the show, that would help us out a ton, especially if it's like a custom review, just a short sentence or two of why you like the podcast, why you'd encourage others to listen to the podcast. Hit five stars to there. That would be amazing. Uh, of course, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe, turn on that notification bell so you know every single time an episode drops. And then if you're one of my Spotify listeners, you can hit five stars as well on there there's no custom review system but you can still rate and review there uh that would help us out a ton too thank you again appreciate you so so much can't wait to have you join me on the next episode of locked on kings until then my name is matt george you've been listening to the locked on kings podcast part of the locked on podcast network